For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. A Factual Data Creation Facility Production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 191, which I'm calling, Now Hear This or Don't. I had a nice, quiet Veterans Day holiday. The next holiday is Thanksgiving, which has become my favorite holiday for a number of reasons, but mainly because my lovely wife knows how to cook a turkey to perfection. Heck, I might even crack open an alcoholic beverage on that day. Yeah, I said I'd do that on my recent birthday, but never got around to it. Okay, enough of this babbling. Let's get on with the show. As usual, we'll start off with some tech news. MediaTek takes on Qualcomm with its latest flagship mobile processor, reads the headline from Engadget as the CPU war heats up. Over the last few weeks, we've had mobile and laptop ARM chips announced by Qualcomm, with NVIDIA and x86 Stallworth AMD announcing the intent of doing the same. Well, this week it was MediaTek's turn, introducing their new flagship Dimensity 9300 mobile chip, which the company claims has performance on par with Qualcomm's new Snapdragon 8 Gen 3 chip. What's unique with MediaTek's design is that it has no efficiency cores as all other competitor chips have. In the past, MediaTek was considered a low-end bargain chip manufacturer, which was relegated to powering mostly low-end Android tablets and phones. I guess the company invested their money into R&D, which is a wise move. With this recent shift towards high-performance mobile and laptop chips, all based on the ARM CPU architecture, can the full Windows operating system ported to a mobile device be far behind? And how will Intel respond? That is, if they even bother to. Again from Engadget comes the headline, Amazon reportedly plans to dump Android what? for a homemade Fire OS replacement. According to the article, citing multiple sources with knowledge of these plans, okay. Amazon is allegedly going to replace the Android core with a new Linux operating system codenamed Vega. These sources also claim that this new operating system is mostly complete and chip makers have been consulted with. This OS will power Amazon's device product line, well you can read that as Echo and Fire TV, as well as smart home and automobile products. This move would cut ties with Google's open source Android project and allow the company to get rid of the underlining bloat Android comes with which enables the operating system to work on many devices which are beyond the needs of Amazon. I find this an interesting development and calls back to a statement I made about Android some episodes ago. In that statement, I was of the opinion that Android was too bloated with code and would most likely suffer the same fate of my beloved Symbian. 
Google has been working on a replacement mobile operating system called Fuchsia for years now. Perhaps with moves like this and the recent decrease of Android's market share will spur the big G to hurry Fuchsia to market. Well, we'll just have to sit back and see how successful Amazon is with this new operating system. Remember, Samsung tried to free itself from the Android yoke years ago with the company's Tizen efforts, all to no avail. Business Insider has an article that highlights a major problem for Google and other search engine companies. The problem is that younger generations are using TikTok for internet searches instead of using Google. As you know, Google's bread and butter is serving up ads during your searches and pays billions of dollars yearly to companies to make their search engine the default one. This is a valid trend which was picked up a while back by the host of the No Agenda podcast. I think this trend will continue and no amount of AI will reverse it. Combine this with the falling Android market share, chip makers tailoring their offerings for Windows OS and multiple business monopoly lawsuits against Google in process or pending, and you have the beginning of a perfect storm for the formerly don't be evil company. Well, that's just my opinion anyway. What do you think about that? Google also makes money by hoovering up your data to a point that they know you better than you know yourself. Facebook and many other companies do the same, and what do you think they do with all that data? Well, one of the things they do is sell it to data brokers, silly. <laughs> data brokers who'll sell your data, which includes health and financial records. Hmm, and here I thought it was illegal to sell or share health records and medical records. No. Apparently not. And even location data to anybody. And I mean anybody. According to yet another article from Edgadget, a research team from Duke University posed as foreign-based market researchers and were able to purchase the personal records of active duty servicemen and veterans for as little as 12 cents each. Whoa. There was no vetting of who these brokers were selling this data to, proving that money talks and you know what walks. This data could be used for a multitude of nefarious things, including profiling, blackmailing, and targeting with mis- and disinformation campaigns. The upside of this is that Congress has recently drafted a bipartisan bill that is yet to be approved, you know, as I said, money talks, that would prevent data brokers from selling the information of current and former military members to adversarial nations. If you haven't been affiliated with the military, I guess you're just out of luck. Yes. From Gizmodo, enter Grok, Elon Musk's anti-woke chatbot, is the headline. From the latter part of the headline, you just know the article will not be favorable because these days, Elon Musk and everything he touches is bad. Well, at least according to a segment of the mainstream media. Mr. Musk has criticized OpenAI, a company he co-founded and left, of which I didn't know of, being too politically correct and training their AI to be woke. Yes! Kroc has the advantage of having access to real-time information, which is a limiting factor for most other models. As I predicted in the last episode of this excuse of a show, Kroc is available solely to Premium Plus X members for an additional 16 bucks per month. I keep hearing from various tech pundits that I'd better start embracing AI or else I'll be left behind. Well, I consider my entire age group already left behind, so I figure I have nothing to lose. It's time for some Apple rumors. You know, although I'm now deeply entrenched in the Apple ecosystem, it wasn't always that way. As far as mobile operating systems go, 
I've used Windows CE, Palm OS, Symbian, BlackBerry, Android, and Windows Phone previously. As far as computer OSs go, I've used Tandy OS, CPM, OS 9, Windows, and Linux. Well, in case you didn't know, OS 9 was the first microcomputer operating system that could multitask. What? All that was during a time when I had the curiosity and time to fiddle with all these different operating systems. As I grew older, I didn't lose my curiosity, but I did lose the spare time to mess around with these other OSs. Apple's ecosystem gave me true plug-and-play ability, well, mostly, and the integration between the hardware is so far unmatched by any other company. I'm telling you all this because I've been accused of being too Apple-centric. Until fairly recently, I didn't even read news about Apple or even listen to podcasts about them because they were kind of boring. All About Symbian and later All About Windows Phone were my favorite podcasts back what I hear is referred to as... The day, because it always seemed Nokia along with Android were the ones innovating while Apple seemed sort of stale. That seems to have changed over the years, and to me at least, Apple appears to be the one innovating. Maybe it's just my impression and not that of reality. I just wanted to let you know that I do look for interesting non-giant fruit company news. Anyway, the big Apple rumor this week concerned the incoming Vision Pro headset. Oh no! If the rumors are to be believed, the VR headset is delayed because of problems which arose during testing. The heavily touted eyesight feature which projects a copy of your eyes to the outside screen of the headset in order to let someone know that they have your attention, apparently isn't working well. Testers of the headset are also complaining about its weight, with sore necks being reported after extended use being common. The Vision Pro still doesn't have Siri or mouse support either. What? So basically, it's back to the drawing board on a lot of features of this headset. If this product is in fact delayed, well, Apple might as well throw in the new M3 chip instead of the announced M2 chip while, while they're at it. And what's not a rumor concerning Apple, the company settled a lawsuit from the U.S. government concerning discriminating hiring practices. Apple favored hiring non-citizens over citizens and permanent residents. You heard that right. Apple and many other Silicon Valley firms preferred and still prefer hiring people under the so-called Temporary Worker Visa Program the corrupt H-series of visas. I've gone over this before, but just in case you've forgotten, here is how it all works. And I know this because I've processed people entering this country with those types of visas. Big tech companies are always complaining that they can't find enough qualified workers locally, so they got the powers to be to create a temporary worker's visa. A foreign national, usually using a broker, gets this visa, and it's called an H-1 visa, and is admitted to the United States. After settling in, they petition for their spouse, well, if they have one, to join them under an H-2 visa. As soon as the spouse arrives, they start breeding until the visa time limit starts to run out. I think the H-1 lasts two or three years. Now it's time to petition for permanent residency, also known as green cards, because now they have two or more children who were born in this country, thus obtaining instant citizenship. Once permanent residency status is obtained, you think they would file for citizenship for themselves. Nope. Now they start petitioning for family members to be able to live here also, and once they arrive, they in turn start petitioning for other relatives to join them, thus starting the migration chain. Before you know it, whole villages are transplanted to the U.S., with most immediately going on social services upon arrival. This despite their sponsors submitting an affidavit of financial support 
which is seldom, if ever, enforced. I recall the first H-1 visa entry I processed. This particular person was hired as a programmer by Microsoft. As a former computer science student myself, I asked which language he programmed in. You know, I thought it would be C plus or some variation of that computer language. He answered that he used Powerbase. Thinking it was some computer language I hadn't heard of, he wanted to tell me that Powerbase wasn't a computer language, but an application that built other applications. So you mean to tell me that no U.S. resident or citizen was capable of using this app? That's when I realized it was mostly a scam. A scam that's still going strong, if not stronger, this day. Apple agreed to pay the U.S. government $25 million in order to settle this lawsuit. Well, this must explain the preamble to the Scary Fast event that was just held. That was where a shirt designer is creating a t-shirt, which has a slogan, Immigrants for the people, by the people on it. Tech I'm using. Last week I told you about not receiving a trading kit for my 2019 MacBook Air, which I was trading in for my new Mac Mini. The original kit was delivered to the wrong address, which I had approved to Apple. Well, the resent kit arrived at my door on Monday, so I packed up the Air and sent it on its way Tuesday morning. It arrived at its destination Thursday morning and was approved that very afternoon. That was the fastest trade-in approval I've ever gotten from Apple. In contrast, my lovely wife's iPhone, which had been received by Apple weeks ago, just got approved Friday. I think part of the reason for the time it took for the iPhone 13 to be accepted is probably due to the amount of phones they're getting for trade-in lately. It being new iPhone buying season, I believe the MacBook Air I traded in had gotten a speedy acceptance because it was hardly used. I noticed that when I was wiping the hard drive while getting it all ready for shipment. This particular computer was bought so I could take it to work with me and write scripts and work on my novel during downtime. And this was after the IT people locked down iCloud.com and our work computers. There was no Wi-Fi available in those work areas either. Shortly after the pandemic hit, which gave me the spare time to do all that at home, and when the lockdowns ended, I moved to a new work area where I had my own computer assigned, and after a few trials and tribulations, of which I described in many older episodes, I discovered I could still access my OneDrive account using the web version of Office 365. Previous to that, I was using the work-supplied Word app and was able to link it to my personal OneDrive until the IT department got wise to that and, like iCloud.com before it, shut down access to it. I spent over a year using the web-based Office 365 method and the IT department never caught on. And that was a good thing because even when I tried using that MacBook Air and Pages while at work, I quickly found iCloud was not up to the task of syncing properly once I got home and was on my own Wi-Fi connection. The MacBook Air spent most of its life sitting in a case next to my bedroom nightstand. Every once in a while, I'd drag it out for OS updates and use it for whatever computer tasks I had on that particular day. That's how I discovered that I preferred the Air's butterfly keyboard over the MacBook Pro's later generation butterfly keyboard, which is somewhat stiffer and cheaper feeling, uh, at least to me. That and the Pro's keyboard is harder on my old fart arthritic fingers. Since I've gotten my Mac Mini and especially the Logitech mechanical keyboard, I do most of my writing on that setup, which leaves the MacBook Pro collecting dust now. That situation will be resolved next month when I trade in the Pro towards a new M2 chipped 15-inch screened MacBook Air, which will be my last computer purchase of 2023, and hopefully for a long time to come. 
Hey, I'm serious this time. Anyway, the new air will be used when I don't feel like firing up the old desktop and on the few occasions in which I travel. Though my iPad Pro with Magic Keyboard attachment was used during my trip to Virginia last month and was up to the task. The only problem was the small screen size, which got tiresome after long stretches of typing. Oh, and speaking of Magic Keyboards, the other day I was at Costco and played with the model of Air I'm buying and found that my mechanical keyboard has spoiled me. That's because I didn't care for the feel of the Magic Keyboard that the Air is equipped with. Don't get me wrong, it's better than my current Pro's keyboard, but not much better than the old Air I just traded in's keyboard. It felt like a slightly better keyboard than the iPad Pro's version, which some users claim is not a real keyboard. We'll see how it goes when I get the new Air in the house. Anyway, the Air's purchase will streamline my computing lineup and all the hardware will be powered by the same Apple Silicon M2 chip. I did figure out why the ports on the back of my LG monitor weren't working. It seems that you must use the LG supplied cables, something I recall they mentioned in the user's manual. Well, this seems odd to me and I don't know why this is. I've verified this by first trying to connect my keyboard to the monitor's USB-C port using a high-quality non-LG cable, which failed to charge that keyboard. When swapping out for the LG-supplied cable, it worked fine. Go figure. Thanks to a power strip I used that has two USB-A ports, I was able to power the ring light using it. Well, the webcam still needs to be connected directly to the computer, so that is now using one of the two USB-A ports on the back of the Mac Mini. At least I was able to get rid of the extremely cheap USB hub I'd been using. Eventually, I'll upgrade that hub to a quality one. That's an example of why I miss the iMac form factor. Everything is built in. Sure, you give up flexibility, but it keeps everything nice and tidy. Well, it's too bad Apple has no interest in producing a new 27-inch iMac. Or do they? I also found out how to authorize my new Mac Mini for using the music app. I had to deauthorize all of my computers and reauthorize them one at a time. I'm still missing a bunch of effects I've collected over the years, most that I had paid for. I'm still working out how to get them all back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertainment news. The actor strike is officially over, but I don't know if I should celebrate. It'll probably be back to the same old, the same old uninspired scripts whose lines will be performed by now wealthier uninspired actors uninspiringly. It seems the latest Marvel movie, The Marvels, is going to be a flop, resulting in another money-losing product from the once-great studio Disney. Speaking of which, have just delayed all but one of the studio's planned 2024 releases canceling a few outright and basically reshooting a couple. They blame the pandemic and the combined writers and actors strike, but I've heard that test audience weren't too happy with these planned releases. Besides the superhero movie fatigue, the constant race and gender swapping, story changing of classics, and general pandering to a certain demographic is taking its toll on consumers. South Park got it right with its latest Pandaverse special. It does seem the actual formula being used is take an IP and, quote, put a chick in it and make her gay. (laughs) I guess these studios, especially Disney, feels that eventually most people will believe in the narrative they're putting out and these current flops will become classics. No. The demographic that's being pandered to just doesn't watch these types of movies, in my opinion. And most audiences that would go to these movies just want to be entertained by a good story and not be lectured on how they should think. Yes. Maybe I'm just too old to understand and out of touch. Podcast news. Besides movements in the podcast popularity list, there's not much happening within the world of podcasting incorporated as the industry remains flat. There's less podcasts, less listeners, less advertising, and less money. And that's the rule of the day. Companies that had previously invested large amounts of money are cutting their losses by canceling shows, laying off podcasting staff, and just outright disbanding studios they paid too much for during the boom years in the space. And there's no end in sight. This is even affecting the independent podcaster. This show's audience continues to shrink month on month, which, while discouraging, doesn't dissuade me. I'll just hunker down and keep putting out content because I like doing so. To those who are still sticking around to listen, well, thanks. In the last episode, I told you about the memory leak I'm having with the digital audio workstation I use, which is Hindenburg Pro. While recording last week's episode, I got another out-of-system notification complete with a list of apps and their memory usage. Hindenburg was using almost a terabyte, yes, a terabyte of memory. This forced me to stop recording, close out Hindenburg, and then restart the app to continue. Of course, this is unacceptable, so I've been looking around for alternatives. One consideration was Reaper, which cost $60, but I've previously played around with a trial version of it, and I found the learning curve so steep that it would take me a few months to become proficient with it, and I don't have the time for that. The other was Apple's Logic Pro, which has a less steep learning curve, but cost $199. And that's just more than I'm willing to pay. I reached out to Hindenburg and they claimed the latest update, which I downloaded yesterday, fixed this very issue. Well, time will tell. 
And speaking of time, it's time for a rant. Huh? Why is communism so appealing to younger generations? Now, scratch that question. I already know the answer. These kids are being sold a false bill of goods, starting probably in high school by the ideological activists disguised as teachers and later college professors who have gained control of our and other Western countries' education systems. These poor students are programmed to not think for themselves, but follow the current narrative from above, lest they be ostracized and isolated. If these same educators bothered teaching history, well, perhaps they weren't taught history themselves, then they would know that if a successful communist revolution took place, they would be considered the useful idiots, in those are Lenin's words, not mine, and be some of the first to be stood up against a wall or shipped off to a re-education camp somewhere. I get it. These young brainwashed minds are under the impression that socialism, which is just spending someone else's money, and is in fact just communism under a different name, means not having to work and getting free stuff. No! Now the elites are all in for this, but what they hope to bring about is closer to national socialism, where the government is comprised of a multinational corporation-government hybrid, where the elite and the government have all the money while giving crumbs to the peasants, which, if you didn't know, is you and I. Look towards World War II Germany and current mainland China as examples of what the elites hope to implement. They are attempting to do this by keeping us fighting with each other using race, sexual preference, and constant levels of fear, the climate scare being the leading tactic for now. Don't just take my word for it. Head over to the World Economic Forum's website, and read about that organization's vision for the future. That is if they haven't cleansed it by now because of all the bad press they've been getting lately, thanks to the still independent journalist out there, whose number is rapidly decreasing because of the ongoing purges by the government, government-funded NGOs, and the previously mentioned useful idiots, both covertly and overtly. We are living in interesting times, which is akin to a curse in some Asian cultures. Well, was that political enough for you? music is playing. So what does that mean? Well, it means the episode is just about done. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTpodcast at gmail.com. And that's only if you're so inclined. I'd enjoy hearing from you. I really would. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. I'm done blabbing now, so get off my lawn. Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.